I thought of the verse, uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Wonderful, wonderful truth there. Thank you, Lord, that we have the light of life, our Lord Jesus. Thank you for each one here today. We do pray for our nation today. We pray especially for those that mourn, for their children especially, and uh, the two teachers there in Texas, and we pray for the people that lost their loved ones there in Buffalo also. Just uh, pray for our nation in these days. We ask you, Lord, to bless our time as we look into your word. Thank you that we can study the life of Paul. I thank you for uh, that dear brother. We're going to be able to sit down and spend eternity with him. That'll be wonderful. Thank you for this time together. Speak to our hearts this morning through your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So today we're going to start our 15-week study of the life of Paul. We have, uh, following myself, 14 weeks remaining, of which next week would be the introduction. So this is, I guess, in a sense, an introduction to the introduction. We're going to be studying the life of Paul, and as you all know, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and we're going to give... Um, kind of some particular focus on God's grace to him and God's use of him as he spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And um, we're going to talk about his missionary journeys. We're going to study his co-workers. We're going to study when each of the epistles were written to the churches, at least as far as as best we can tell, some of those are hard to date. And if you recall, God used Paul to reveal several mysteries. There are some things that are called a mystery in the New Testament, which indicates that this it's something that was hidden in the past, but is now revealed to us. And in particular, we're going to uh, talk about the mystery of the gospel. We read in Ephesians 3.6, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. So we're going to study the mystery of the gospel, the fact that we Gentiles are able to have a relationship with God. And we're also going to uh, talk about Uh, how God used Paul to reveal when he says fellow members of the body, he's talking about the body of Christ, which is the church. This is a brand new thing. Well, relatively speaking, 2,000 years old, a few years old, but this is a brand new thing. So Christ revealed it, and Paul was largely the epistle or the apostle by whom this was revealed through his epistles to 
the church. And so we find ourselves in this new body of Christ. So I wanted to talk about briefly about this because I didn't get a chance to mention it when I spoke about uh, Pentecost. And so I wanted to uh, read a few verses to you to give you an idea as to what is the church, the body of Christ. What is this new creation? What is this new thing, this body of Christ? So Jesus spoke of the church as future. When Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus said, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build my church. So the church was future when Jesus was speaking to Peter there. The church was future. He was anticipating that. In Acts chapter 2, we read that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So in Acts chapter 2, we read about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon the believers. If you flip ahead to Acts chapter 11, you'll read in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, we read, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he had fallen upon us at the beginning. Then, in verse 16, Then I remembered the word of the Lord, as he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 11, this is explained that this is actually a baptism of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, we read, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. This spirit baptism places one into something that's called the body, the body of Christ. And finally, in Ephesians one twenty two, we read, And God put everything under his feet and made him head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the body of Christ. So putting all that together, we can see that the body of Christ, which is the church, is a brand new thing which began on the day of Pentecost when they were filled, when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The church is is a new creation. This is different from the state of Israel. This is different from God's dealings with the Israelites in the Old Testament. And so a couple of observations regarding this new body. Members of the body of Christ are joined to Christ in salvation. Ephesians 4. Members of the body of Christ follow Christ as their head. Christ as our head. Members of the body of Christ are the physical representation of Christ in this world. 
The church is the organism through which Christ manifests his life to the world today. Members of the body of Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ. Members of the body of Christ possess a diversity of gifts suited to particular functions. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Members of the body of Christ share a common bond with all other Christians, regardless of background, race, ministry. There should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for one another. Members of the body of Christ are secure in their salvation. A Christian, For a Christian to lose his salvation, God would have to perform some sort of an amputation on the body of Christ. Members of the body of Christ partake of Christ's death and resurrection. Members of the body of Christ share Christ's inheritance. Members of the body of Christ receive the gift of Christ's righteousness. So much more could be said. But that's one of the things that we are going to highlight as we go through this study in the life of Paul, is we're going to highlight how God's truth has brought out, is brought out regarding this new body, this, this new creation, the body of Christ. And this is how we function indeed today. And so we're going to have uh, an exciting study. And following my few words now, we're going to have uh, David and Paul are going to read from the book of Acts going to introduce some of the themes that we're going to be following later on. And I don't know who's going to go first. All right. So we're going to begin in chapter 6 of Acts. And we'll be reading from the New King James Bible. Acts chapter 6. Acts 6, verse 1. So this is after, we're talking about the church in Jerusalem. So far the church is just in Jerusalem. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the, the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did... Oh, did I... No, I didn't. I'm sorry. This is a study Bible I haven't used in a while, and I need to make sure I'm not skipping something. Okay. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Men and brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would sojourn in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, being envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him, and delivered him out of all his troubles, and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. 
And the second time, Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. But when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he had supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, are you brethren? Why do you wrong one another? And he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a sojourner in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness. Forty years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to 
give to us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. And as for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it was written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? Yes, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rephran, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern which he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You, stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of your prophets did your fathers not prosecute, not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become betrayers and murderers. You have received the law by direction of angels, have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now I've asked to have a little time here 
breaking off our reading, just to give a couple of thoughts concerning Stephen's defense. It's important because it's the first mention of the subject matter of our study this entire summer, that is Saul, who will become the Apostle Paul. And no doubt, uh, Stephen's defense, his testimony before the council, did have an effect on this young man called Saul, although the effect of that was not shown immediately, as we'll see when we pick up in chapter 8. It does tell us that it is an example to us that as we give out the gospel, as we share the Lord with others, that we might not see the effect immediately. But God's word does not return to him void. Paul would later uh, write in the very well-known verse in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the term cruciformity that we brought up before. And in Stephen, Paul had been given the uh, perhaps one of the best examples of what cruciformity is all about. Conforming himself to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, of being the fundamental basis of our walk and our witness and our worship. There are many uh, comparisons that can be made between Stephen and the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, most notably, of course, was his reaction to the uh, actions, the reactions of the council when they were taking his very life from him. And as the Lord had said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Stephen said, do not lay this charge against them. Another thing is that seemingly Stephen stood alone before the council. Christ was alone, of course. He suffered for our sins alone. It was only he who could do that. But we find out at the end of the story that Stephen was not indeed alone, was not standing alone because... He looked up into heaven and saw Christ standing there before the throne of God. At the end of his life, the Apostle Paul could say, after all, I had deserted him. And he was before a tribunal that the Lord stood with me. So these things that didn't seem to have much effect on the life of this young man Saul, clearly formed the basis of what the Lord would take of that young life and make it into the Apostle Paul. Just note one other thing in closing. 
that even at that time, there was a gospel invitation by Stephen. He said to them, look, look. And that one word was the invitation of the gospel. Holding out to those who were about to take up stones to slay him. And yet he said, look, this one whom you murdered and rejected, God has exalted and he is standing at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, we'll continue with our reading. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is that is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, of this your wickedness, And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, 
Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go down, excuse me, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now we're going to see the light. He's going to see the light. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, What do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and ate. And neither ate nor drank. 
Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and he said to the Lord, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, And he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And Saul spent many days with the disciples. Verse 20 of chapter 9. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that purpose, excuse me, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. 
So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he called the saints and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Okay, we're going to skip over chapter 11, and we will continue in, I'm sorry, we'll skip over chapter 10, and we'll continue in 11 with Peter's summary of his visit to Cornelius. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea, who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me, Again from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God, who has granted to the Gentiles, 
then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Thank you. Acts eleven nineteen. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with that, that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. We're going to conclude by skipping the whole bit about Herod and Peter. In the last verse of chapter 12, Acts 12.25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. In Antioch. And that's where we are going to conclude. You want to? Sure, I can... We will close in prayer now then, and um, do we have a closing hymn or one closing hymn? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for so much truth about the early church, and Lord, we just thank you for loving us so much to even create such an entity and bringing us into it. And Lord, we thank you that as your body and as your bride, we will be with you enjoying that love forever. Pray for your guidance in the rest of the summer study now, that you would give us insight for each teacher and clarity in speaking forth the truth of your word to the edification that we may all grow up into the head of that body, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.